0: Welcome, Twim Nation. This is This Week in Mormons, and I am one half of the Twim Sisters, Tiffany Hales, and I am here this week to record a podcast. And I have a a brand new, well, she's not new to TWIM because she's a long-time TWIM listener, uh, but she has never co-hosted before. I have Sarah Jorgensen with me here today. Sarah, happy to have you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Okay. Well, Sarah, before we start uh, talking about news stories, let's just give our listeners a little introduction and let's tell them a little bit about Sarah. Why don't you just kind of share with us where you live? Tell us a little bit about your family. Um, let's start with that. And then okay. we'll ask it. I'll ask you a couple more questions. Okay. Um, I
1: currently live in Southern Utah in St. George. Um, I'm originally from Orange County, California. Um, my family still lives there. So we go back there a lot and um, we, I, I, I went to Utah State for college and met my husband there, and then we kind of just picked a spot in the middle. <laughs> we're actually to the mile, one mile away from the middle between both of our parents' houses. So that's kind of a funny little <laughs> That's thing awesome. Um, we have three great kids that are, you know, growing up, and we're figuring all of that out.
0: Um, so that's kind of, you know, who we are, where we're from. Okay. Well, tell us, how long have you been listening to TWiM? And how did you find TWIM?
1: I was thinking about that. I was trying to remember how... I mean, I've been listening for years. Um, Okay. I don't really... I think it was probably like a conference recap. Um, I think that was probably the first episode I listened to. And then I just like loved it so much. And just, it's like my first go-to
0: every week. So... (laughs) well we thank you so uh listeners you may have recall uh recall a few weeks ago i put out a call and i said hey any listener who would like to join me and co-host on a podcast i will make this so easy for you i do all the tech all you have to do is just read the stories and come on and talk with me And Sarah responded to that call. And that's how we have Sarah today. So thank you very much. And I'm going to reiterate that call to any other listener out there who wants to do this. I I promise I'll be nice. Sarah, have I been nice? Yeah, I can say she has made it very
1: easy and it's been great. So do it. It's going to be fun.
0: All right. So Sarah, when you're not chasing your three kids around, what do you like to do in your spare time besides listen to TWIM?
1: always listen to TWIM first. And then, um, I do a lot of like community work in my area. I I'm a substitute teacher at the schools. Mm-hmm. I work a lot with the PTA. I also do like, I work the elections for Washington County and oh. I just do a lot of, you know, whatever's needed around the, <laughs> around the town.
0: So uh, that know. is awesome. So tell me, I always like to ask this question, where do you listen to TWIM? Like do this like in your car while you're cleaning. People have all sorts of different ways that they listen to Twim, and so I'm just curious. How do you listen to Twim? Yeah,
1: I'm a I'm a big walker, so I have my AirPods in, and I just go on. You know, I walk my miles in the mornings, usually before my kids are up in the summer. So I just usually listen to it on on that in the mornings around around the you know my neighborhood walking track. So.
0: That's awesome. Well, then that explains why we get along so well, because I do the same thing. I listen to podcasts, but I'm walking because I'm not a morning person and I don't (laughs) live in St. George where it's a thousand degrees. I'm walking at night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We do that too in the other seasons of the year. Currently it's 6am or
0: nothing. (laughs) That's where you're at right now. That's very true. So, well, listeners are... I mean, the listeners can't see this, but if you're watching us on the YouTube feed, you can see I am in a very different background. I am not at my house, which is where I normally podcast out of either my house or Ariane's house. Uh, I took the show on the road last weekend. I was down in Southern California, your neck of the woods, Sarah, for um, just a little sister's weekend with my sister Ariane and my other sister, Ciaran. And we had a blast down there and recorded an episode together. And then I came home and I was home for about three days. And then I left again. And now I am in Utah. I'm actually in Salt Lake. So I have never recorded Twim from the state of Utah. So this is a new one for me. Um, the reason I came down here is I have a brother and he and his wife are expecting twins and their baby shower is today. And so that's why I am down here and, and, and I'm just kind of laughing because, um, he is 48. These are his first babies. She, she is considerably younger than him. And they're expecting twin boys and, and they are just so over the moon excited. And my sisters and I are just shaking our head and we're like, oh, you have no clue what you're getting into. (laughs) That is so
1: funny. I have two boys that are just 18 months apart. Almost. Oh, that's almost like having twins. And it's, I mean, it's great. It's great fun, but it's a lot. So
0: I get that. (laughs) Well, do you find that like what one doesn't think of the other does And they kind of play off each other.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Well, when I found out that that he was having twin boys, I really had to laugh because our parents have both passed away and um, he was kind of a little bit of a hellion growing up (laughs) and and took him a while to finally mature and get to adulting. Hence the reason he's 48 and expecting his first child. And I just laughed. I told my sisters, I said, oh, our mother's revenge is strong. (laughs) She's
1: been preparing those babies.
0: (laughs) She's been preparing those babies.
1: That's another reason
0: why I'm like, oh, you don't even know what you're getting into. I love it. But one of the things that I did yesterday since I was down in Utah and we have talked about this on Twin before is the Church History Museum has a Minerva Teichert exhibit going on right now and it runs through the 3rd of August. So literally um in a week, less little less than a week uh that exhibit will be going away and so I went with my daughter yesterday and we saw the Minerva Teichert exhibit at the Church History Museum. And I love Minerva, absolutely love Minerva. I've got three of her, uh, not uh well, obviously not her actual paintings, but prints of her paintings in my house. She's my favorite church artist. And so it was very cool to see those paintings, the original works of art up close and personal. The church has done a great job with it. And so I just encourage anyone who is in the Salt Lake area. If you haven't seen the Minerva Teichert exhibit, you should go see the Minerva Teichert exhibit. One of the things that I really liked about it too, is they probably had about six paintings where they had these little cards on the side of the painting and you could pull the card. And one side of the card had a picture of the painting and the other side of the card had like fun facts about the painting and things that you should look for in the painting and just made it really interactive. So it was super cool. So that's awesome. Like I said, I'm just I'm encouraging anybody who uh, who's in the Salt Lake area to go see that exhibit because it is definitely definitely worth your time. That's so. awesome. All right. Well, Sarah, we are here to do news. Should we do some news stories? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. Well, it's actually been kind of a really slow news week. I don't know if you noticed that in scouring the yes. internet for stories. I certainly did. Um, and July typically is pretty slow with the church because the month of July the general authorities generally take off and they have a little downtime and vacation time. They're not out there speaking a whole lot and uh so not a, not a lot of business is getting done in the month of July. So this is not unusual that it's pretty slow news week. But I think the biggest story of the week is probably the funeral of Sister Holland. Last week when my sisters and I recorded, she had just passed away the day before. Uh, They had not made the funeral arrangements. The funeral was yesterday. You and I are recording on a Saturday. So the funeral was um, Friday, (coughs) excuse me, yesterday, which I believe yesterday was the 28th, maybe. Anyway, and so it was held at the Conference Center Theater And there, of course, were lots of tributes this week to Sister Holland. Uh, Sherry Dew wrote a really excellent uh, tribute to Sister Holland that was in the church news. And she just talked about what an inspiring lady Sister Holland was to her and that um, she was a spiritual giant among women. And she said the nice thing about Sister Holland is she never really saw herself that way. She was very humble and unassuming And, um, and she was quite surprised Sister Holland was when Deseret News approached her, not Deseret News, excuse me, Deseret Book, approached her about writing a book. And she's like, really? Anybody wants to listen to what I have to say? And the, my favorite part of this article was, um. Sister Dew says earlier this year I had the privilege of sitting next to Sister Holland during a temple endowment session. At one point in the session I had a profound awareness come over me. I can't find the words to do words to do that moment justice other than to say I knew I was seated seated next to a sheer goodness and that this was a woman I should seek to emulate. So anyway Sarah thoughts thoughts on sister Holland and her funeral I, I don't know if you watched it or um, or read any follow-up on her funeral yesterday yeah I I heard a lot
1: about it I mean I, I didn't watch the whole thing in its entirety <clears> but I did hear um, little pieces of it and I just feel so sad for the family I don't know I just like always hard to lose anybody obviously but to lose such a like a matriarch of a family is just really sad and hard, I'm sure. I I loved um, uh, Tamu from Sisters in Zion posted that to be loved by Sister Patricia Holland was to experience love that was both divine and human. And she felt blessed and honored to have known her. And I just felt like that is such a beautiful um, legacy to leave behind and something that we can all really work to do to make our lives more like loving and make sure the people in our lives know that- our love is bigger than, you know what I mean? The little things we yeah. kind of get stuck on here, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. it's a great example of that.
0: Wonderful example. And, you know, there was um, a Deseret News article that came out late yesterday, kind of recapping the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, with kind of the crazy schedule I had yesterday, I didn't get a chance to watch the funeral. And I was assuming that it would be, um, on the church's YouTube site. Cause I thought, Oh, tomorrow night, or I thought, you know, when I go to bed, I can kind of scan it when I go to bed, I couldn't find it last night. So all I have is just kind of the, the news uh, recap from the Deseret news. And there were of course, um, a number of members of the quorum of the 12 and the first presidency was all there. Um, I thought it was interesting. Her, the speakers, each one of her kids spoke. Uh, so Matthew Holland, their oldest son spoke, and then their daughter, Mary, Alice Holland McCann, and then their son, David Holland. And then it looks like um, uh, Sister McCann, their daughter, uh, looks like her husband, who I did not realize is apparently an Area 70, Mm -hmm. uh, performed a piano medley. And then her daughter-in-laws did the opening and closing prayer. Now, what was really interesting is um, Matthew Holland got up and he read the words, apparently, that Elder Holland wanted to say. And he said, um, although the circumstances of his own health and emotions prevented Elder Holland from standing to make an extended tribute to his beloved companion, Elder Matthew S. Holland read a few words written by his father. And I just want to share some of these words because I thought they were so poignant. I had read an article earlier in the week where Elder Holland was talking about Pat and that um, he he was just talking about how much of a support she was to him and that he just could not imagine doing life without her. And so he says, um, his dad says, Calling Sister Holland the greatest woman I have ever known, uh, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said he is heartbroken by her loss, yet sustained by the power of the prayers of so many. I thought the onset of neuropathy and dialysis was enough, but this loss of Pat so unexpectedly has been devastating, he said. And um, that just, oh, that just tugged at my heartstrings. (laughs) It's so sad that he has such a burden,
1: like, with his health right now anyway, and then to, like, add a, a, like, real emotional burden on top of that is probably just so unbearable at the moment.
0: I can't even imagine... Well, and, and these words confirmed what I had kind of wondered and suspected last week. You know, we knew Elder Holland's health wasn't well, right. but we had not heard anything about Sister Holland. And then all of a sudden she passes away um, where he says this loss being so unexpected that whatever was going on with her health was not, you know, this this was not an anticipated loss. And so
1: which just makes it, you know, if you can kind of prep, if you know, you (laughs) do
0: not do
1: any of that grief work beforehand, if you, you know, I mean, it happens to people all the time, but
0: so exactly. So, you know, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see we've got general conference coming up in about two months, whether Elder Holland will be in a physical and emotional state to be able to speak at general conference. I hope so his messages are always so poignant and so good. And he's one of my favorites he and gift um, gifted speaker. That's true. It will be really interesting. You, you know, if he speaks, he's probably going to share some thoughts about the loss of Pat. We've seen that from a lot of other general authorities when they speak post conference um, following the loss of a spouse. I, 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 I also kind of wonder as well. Um, again, this is just like spear pe- pure speculation on my part. Um, we know his health isn't well. We know that this loss is devastating. How much longer are we going to have Elder Holland? Is this mm-hmm. just going to kind of be one of those things where he's like, um, I'm done fighting this battle? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so. it's hard.
1: I can, I mean, I can, I don't know, sympathize with that feeling because. I don't know. How do you keep going forever when you don't even, you're sick, yeah. you know, you're not like, you know, going to get all the way better. You're, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's so, hard.
0: yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. So our, our hearts go out to elder Holland and his family and just, you know, the, there were beautiful messages that were shared about sister Holland and she really led it just kind of an incredible life and just a very good legacy of faith. But, um, Super, super, super sad for their family. They will miss her deeply. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Sarah, you have our next story.
1: Which is also devastating. So um, we, I don't, do do we usually say the date that this happened? Let's see. On July 23rd, um, it was announced that a senior sister missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had died in a serious car crash in, um, Oh, I don't know how to say that.
0: I I think it's (laughs) Vanna Nata. I, I, you know, I should know because they did Survivor, the TV show Survivor. One of the seasons there. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it.
1: (laughs) It's um on her mission with her husband. She um, I guess there was another vehicle that kind of veered over into her lane of traffic, and it was a head-on collision. Um, which is just so sad we think about sending these you know missionaries young or you know senior couples or anyone else on these missions to do service and it's just is so sad that you know something like this can happen um, so there's been some uh, articles from you know her kids and her family that you know have kind of talked about what a wonderful woman she was and how they're gonna support her husband when he comes home and I just, I can't imagine my parents are serving a service mission right now. And I just can't imagine, you know, (laughs) that loss in the middle of that whole thing just seems so hard to, you know, understand. Um, So I I hope that they have the peace that they, you know, can find. And I hope they're really comforted in this time because it's unimaginable to lose. A it,
0: missionary of your family, you know, while they're exactly. on their mission. <laughs> it just seems I know. so mean.
1: <laughs> It so. really
0: does. But at the same time, you think, okay, well, if you're going to go and you're serving a mission, you're at least doing you know, the right thing. Doing, you're in the right place doing kind yep. of the right thing. I had but that thought. They they are from Riverton, so they Riverton. they are from Utah. And yes, that will be very sad. The other thing that was sad too, is she died on her birthday.
1: Oh my gosh, I read that.
0: That is the worst. <laughs> exactly. I'm like,
1: oh. Um, the family will have a hard time
0: uh, not forgetting that day. So right? anyway, our, our hearts and prayers go out to that family too. Definitely,
1: so. definitely.
0: All right. Well, maybe maybe we should move on from the very sad news. We're starting Please. this show out on a, very, <laughs> on a very low note. It feels like oh. that. Anyway, so let's let's move on from um from death and dying to lawsuits cuz that's <laughs> always fun. I like it. I like it. <laughs> that's a change in topic. So, we have a couple of lawsuit related articles we're going to talk about. The first one is the temple in Cody, Wyoming. As we know, President Nelson has announced that they wanted to build a temple in Cody, Wyoming. They selected their site and their site is in the middle of a residential area, which again is not unusual. You look at a lot of temple sites and um, it is not, uh, you know, it is not unusual for them to be in the middle of kind of residential areas. So that's kind of where the problem becomes because the height in the residential area is you can't be any higher than 30 feet. So the design of the temple, it's going to be a one-story temple that's 25 to 26 feet tall. But the biggest issue is the steeple on the temple is going to be 77 feet. So that's going to make the temple over 100 feet. So that means they have to get... a a conditional use permit and a variance for that that height. So the church had their site plan and they presented their site plan to the planning and zoning commission for the city of Cody. And the planning and zoning commission of the city of Cody is made up of seven people. And, And let me explain to you why this is important to understand. Uh, on the night of the meeting, only five of the members of the Planning and Zoning Commission were present at the meeting. Not really sure where the other two were, but they weren't there. So there were five. So they had a quorum. And when they went to vote on the site plan, one abstained. Again, not really sure why that person abstained. So there were four people voting on the plan, which, again, is a quorum. And they voted three to one to accept the site plan. So after they voted to accept the site plan, uh, the chairman who I'm guessing was the one no vote, although I don't know for sure, oh, said okay. this is not a valid vote because we don't have uh, we don't have the full uh, quorum the full committee here, the full planning and zoning committee and we need to have the full planning and zoning committee and we need to have at least four votes of the seven of the planning and zoning committee. And so uh, while they voted to accept the site plan, he said it's not valid and refused to accept it. Uh, Hence, the church filed a lawsuit against the city of Cody. I thought this was a very unusual move. Generally speaking, the church does not like to file litigation in these matters. They like to go back to the drawing board and work with people. But they say, this is what the church says. The church says that when you look at the um, the, the rules or the regulations that govern the, the Planning and Zoning Commission, the city code, it only requires support from the majority of the board members in attendance as long as a quorum is there. And so the church is arguing, hey, there were four of the seven, that constitutes a quorum. Three of the three of those, or actually there were five of the seven, so that constitutes a quorum. Three of those five voted in our favor. And so the site plan should be accepted. And so this is now in district court. It seems so, like a hyper technicality. It really does. <laughs> it seems like I mean, I don't know.
1: My husband works for the city of Ivans and over by Tuacon. Have you ever mm-hmm. been to Tuicon. So he he works yes. in that city and they have a ton of building going on. And so he does a lot with these kinds of, I mean, he's always working with some new developer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it like... His like only goal is to be like so consistent and so you know with these rules, because you get stuck in weird things like this if you don't just follow the rules the way they're written. And so he, I don't know, it's interesting to read this, knowing some of the things he's been yeah. doing at work because it just seems so like it seems shady that like the guy didn't vote if that was him. I know we don't yeah. know that for sure, but and then he's the one that's saying, no, you know what I mean, It just seems so like. Yeah, I don't know. Weird.
0: Well, there's been a lot of controversy. the the There were people that testified both before in support of the temple and people that testified against the temple. Um, there was one particular gentleman. I I took a quote of what he said. He called the temple a 100 foot billboard advertising Mormonism that us Gentiles will have to view day after day.
1: Oh, that's aggressive. <laughs> I I just think it's funny. And it's in Texas, right? Uh, No, Cody, Wyoming. 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 Oh, I was thinking Texas, but I don't know. It just, they're always beautiful. It's not like it's, I don't know. I live, you can see the Red Cliffs Temple, the new one from my kitchen window. Like it's in my ward boundaries. I could walk there. It's 0.2 miles from my house. And we have a lot of neighbors that aren't members and they're all like, but it's, at least it's pretty. Like, yeah. I don't want to go there, but at least it's pretty, you know? And so yeah. I just feel like, come on, we're not building some weird like statue or something of like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It exactly. just seems like such a weird
0: line to take. But. It, it, it really does. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. I of course will continue to follow this story just to see how this plays out. Because like I said, I, I, usually speaking, the church does not like to get into litigation over these matters and right. they are. And so I, 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 I so that tells you know, a little bit that there's something else happening. Right? There's there's something else happening It kind of reading between the lines is what is what this tells me. And the really interesting thing is, is, um, I think, and again, it kind of depends on how their city code is written, while planning and zoning approved it, generally speaking, it has to have final approval by city council. So this is generally, you know, may not even be final approval. So um, although if their code is written differently, maybe if you get a yes vote out of planning and zoning, you don't have to go to city council. Every city kind of has different codes, but it's kind of in my experience that usually on a lot of these issues that you do have to then go to city council and get final approval from city council because planning and zoning members are not elected. They're usually appointed and the city council is the elected officials. So I I don't know. I don't know how they're going to follow that. It just seems like there's more to this story. Exactly.
1: I don't know how they them <laughs> That we that. don't know yet. So, so well, speaking oh. of
0: lawsuits that we have followed on TWIM.
1: Let's do it. Our next story is, let me just pull it up to make sure that I'm giving all of the true facts. Um, Crumble Cookie has um, dismissed their lawsuit against Crave, but the Dirty Dough suit is still open. Um, I think this is just... Funny, we have in St. George a Crave and a Dirty Dough and a Crumble and numerous other cookie stores. So I just think it's a little bit funny that they're all in this like argument, (laughs) like with each other. I don't know, it just seems so intense. Um, But they said that all of the claims are dismissed and the case is closed. Um, The specific reason for dismissal was not given. But they have reached an amicable settlement to trademark and trade dress infringement dispute. So Crave and Crumble are friends again. But um, I think it said that Dirty dough is still an oh, inactive yeah. lawsuit. So... The cookie war continues. And <laughs> the cookie we'll just, war continues. Exactly. Oh, just never ending.
0: Okay. So since you live in the St. George area, I want to ask you, because Arianne and Ciara and I talked about this last week, the mm-hmm. origins of the pink cookie. And I can't even remember the gas station down there. Dutchman's, that sells, yes. Dutchman's that uh-huh. sells the pink cookie. So have you had a Dutchman's pink cookie? Of course. Yes. Okay. I want your opinion. How does the Dutchman's Pink Cookie compare to some of these other cookies? What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Swig, when it opened originally, I think it opened in like two thousand. 10, 11, 12, something like that. They used to buy their cookies from Dutchman's, but now they make their own, right? Okay, so Dutchman's cookies are really, really good. They have a lot of options. It's not just the pink cookie you go there. and There's a beautiful case of like a billion different kinds of cookies and they're all really good. My favorite one is the snickerdoodle one. Um, Oh. But this pink cookie is really delicious also. Um, The only beef I have with Crumble's new cookie recipe is that they freeze them. Because obviously, I mean, I get it. They sell a billion cookies a day and they can't keep them fresh. They used to like spread the frosting on it right yeah. in front of you and then give it to you, but they don't do that anymore. Everything's frozen. So sometimes you get like a frozen cookie when you go through the Swig drive through, which, you know, is fine, but it's actually just a frozen cookie. Um, but I like the Dutchman's cookies, but it's all the way in Santa Clara. So, you know, it's oh, a so 20 minute a little, drive. That's I a little
0: hike. You have to really, you have to really want to go there. <laughs> I know that we live in a small
1: town; it's a little bit too much. But you know, every time I'm over there, we stop and get a cookie.
0: Okay, so. <laughs> good well, cookie. good to know. Yeah. Next time I make my way to St. George, and it's been a number of years since I've been in St. George. But if I find myself in St. George, I'm going to go to the Dutchmans and you I'm going to get one of these pink cookies because <laughs> I am a connoisseur of the of the sugar. Oh, are you? Yes, They're really I, good. I love, I love a good sugar cookie, so I'm going to have to try that.
1: I, I think definitely you- think that the swig or the dutchman's cookie the swig original one or the dutchman's one is my favorite pink cookie or frosted sugar cookie from all of the there's like 11,000 cookie stores it feels like everywhere you go so you know Exactly, which is kind of why this lawsuit is funny because they all are doing this same thing. Like, I mean, different recipes and, you know, I get it. I get that there's like that whole, you know, similarity in the logos or whatever they're fighting, but I just think it's kind of funny because there's so many options. So. Agreed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our next story, we are going to talk about the movie, the sound of freedom. Um, Sarah, have you seen the movie? I have not seen the movie. Neither have I. So the article that we are talking about is about Angel Studios has found a box office hit in the Sound of Freedom. Uh, and after three weeks in theaters, uh, it's still among the top film rankings. So let's give a little background here. Sound of Freedom is a movie that is loosely based on some life experiences of Tim Ballard, who started an organization called Underground Railroad to um, help stop and prevent uh, child sex trafficking. And... Um, uh, Angel Studios also produces The Chosen, and Angel Studios is also owned by three brothers who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as is Tim Ballard. So that is why this is a a this weekend Mormon's um, appropriate uh, topic to be discussing. So remind me,
1: is this the same people that owned
0: VidAngel? Uh, no, oh, I don't think no. they own VidAngel. Uh, I, I I don't know that for sure.
1: But okay. when I was
0: reading a little bit about Angel Studios, I didn't see anything come up with VidAngel. So I think okay. the VidAngel about- owners are different people. Different. I think they just call this Angel Studios. And one of the things that they do, one of their this is how they did the Chosen, and this is also how they did uh, uh, funded the distribution of this movie is they like to do crowdsource funding. And so they they put it out there, and they get people to invest, and then they get a little share of the pie in investing, and that's how they were able to raise money to continue to produce episodes of The Chosen, and that's how they, they did uh, this particular movie. So there is a little bit of controversy surrounding this particular movie. For anybody who has been on social media lately, you can see two sides of this story. So this movie was released on July 4th, which was a Tuesday. It is a bit unusual to have a movie released on July 4th. Uh, Well, not on July 4th, but on a Tuesday. Usually they release movies on a Friday because you want that weekend box office traffic. Um, but it was released on Tuesday, July 4th. It did very well that day. It actually that day outperformed... Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So there was a whole lot of chatter on the internet about this movie beat the big player, Indiana Jones. It is true for that particular day, it did on beat Indiana Jones. <laughs> when everyone else However, was else, right. Indiana Jones had been in theaters for four days prior to sound of freedom being released. And if you look at first day box office numbers for Indiana Jones and first day box office numbers for sound of freedom, Indiana Jones has clearly beat sound of freedom. When you look at overall box office numbers, uh, as of a few days ago, Indiana Jones was sitting at, uh, $339 million and, uh, Uh, Sound of Freedom was sitting at $130 million. So Indiana Jones is outperforming it about about two to one. And um, so I've been kind of bugged by those misleading statistics that I've seen going around. I've also been bothered. and, And these statistics tie into the thing that's been bothering me more than anything else. If you've been on the Internet, you've seen a lot about... Sound of Freedom, this is the movie Hollywood never wanted to see distributed. This is the movie Hollywood tried to suppress. This is the movie Hollywood doesn't want you to see. Uh, Like there's been some big conspiracy in Hollywood against this particular movie and not having this movie uh, come out because uh, Hollywood does not want to raise awareness about child sex trafficking. And I could go down the rabbit hole of why people think Hollywood doesn't want to raise awareness about that. But I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, Anyway, so I did a little investigating into this. And what I found was just to kind of clear the dialogue here and get some facts out there is that this movie was. Uh, made in 2018 so it's been done for five years again that ties into a lot of what they've been saying which is oh studio sat on this for five years and until you know they were finally able to get it released and wrangle it from Disney and they say Disney and Amazon and Netflix and Hulu none of them wanted you to see this movie well here's what happened In 2017, Disney announced a merger with 20th Century Fox. That merger took a couple of years. That merger took place in 2019. This movie, Sound of Freedom, the distribution rights were held by 20th Century Fox. So when Disney acquired 20th Century Fox, Disney had the distribution rights now. Well, not only did Disney have the distribution rights to Sound of Freedom, Disney had the distribution rights to 246 other movies. (laughs) Do you think Disney released 245 movies and and held on to Sound of Freedom and said, no, 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 we don't we don't want this message out there. No, Disney went through all 246 movies that were in various states of production. Some of them were in pre-production. Some of them were halfway through. Some of them were completed, like Sound of Freedom. Disney went through each one of those movies and decided, yes, we're going to keep this movie. No, we're not going to keep this movie. We're going to see if we can sell it off to somebody else. And it was a business decision. In fact, what's really interesting is um, the movie producer... Edward Ver, I'm going to totally pronounce his last name or mispronounce his last name, Verisatugi. He told the Washington Examiner every studio that considered this movie was worried about losing money. They were not worried about the message of the movie. They're in the business of making money, and they weren't sure that this movie could make money. Well, what ended up happening was Angel Studios came along and they said, hey, we think we'd be interested in this. They showed it to some of their investors who said, yes, we're interested in this. So then Angel Studios had to pay Disney to get the distribution rights from Disney, which is why they had to raise the $5 million from their investors. Because Disney was like, yeah, we'll give it to you, but you got to pay us money. (laughs) It was never about the topic. And so that's really what's bugged me in a lot of the rhetoric that's been going on behind the scenes. You know, I'm glad the movie has been so successful. It's pretty unusual for an indie movie like this that I think was about a $10 million make. Uh, to be so successful. And it really is raising an issue with regards to, um, child trafficking. I know there's also a lot of controversy with regards to how Tim Ballard does that. And I am not going to comment on that at this point in time, but I am going to comment on the fact that, you know, this is a serious issue that, you know, we need to pay attention to. And so this, this is, this is the, the article this week that has got my blood boiling. <laughs> Because of just the misrepresentations and making this out to be maybe a lot more sinister than motives really were.
1: I think it's easy to fall into that trap of like thinking if, like, if something's happening, it's because of one thing when really there's this whole giant story behind the scenes that you kind of have to navigate. You have to be able to understand the whole thing. And just the fact that there's the merger between. Companies. And then, like, obviously, that's going to take time to organize huge companies, not yeah. like, you know, crumble and dirty dough, like big, gigantic <laughs> companies. You know what I mean? That, like, have, exactly. I mean, billions of dollars that are, like, kind of getting all worked out. That's going to take time. Um, obviously, there's no, like, Well, obviously everyone wants to protect children from predators. Like that's like an obvious thing that we're all really serious about, especially in the Mormon communities is like we we really treasure children and we really want to be sure to keep them safe. So that's not like my beef at all. But I have a similar feeling that it's not no one's like like uh, I want to say like no one's trying to hurt you know what I mean? Like yeah. this message, it's, yeah. like, we're just trying to like, you know, work it all out. I mean, everyone has to work out all of the business arrangements for anything like this. So it's important to just make sure that the story is straight and not tie the two together into a little bow. Cause it's not the truth. You know what I mean? And exactly. it takes away from the message of like, we need to make sure what, to do what we're doing to make sure that kids have safe places to be. So
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and I just, and it's, and it's got all kind of convoluted into this conspiracy theory that really has no merit to it. And
1: really that takes away from the effort. It it makes it like, it makes all of not all, but makes a lot of the efforts, you know, to protect the children or to protect our families and keep safe spaces. It just like kind of convolutes the whole thing to make it harder to understand what's happening. And it just makes it a
0: bigger mess. I think it impacts the credibility of the movie. Mm, Uh, If you're out there kind of not uh, allowing these kind of half truths and misguided ideas to perpetuate themselves on social media, uh, because it's driving ticket sales for your movie. To me, it impacts your credibility. And that means when I watch that movie, I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching it going, "Uh, you know, I don't know. And so that's the impact that it has on me is I'm like, I don't know if I can take what comes out of your mouth. Am right. I going to take it with a grain of salt?
1: Well, that's the problem when we tie, you know what I mean? Things yeah. together. Like it just makes the whole thing a bit messier than it should be. You know, yeah, <laughs> we can't really protect the children if we're also worrying about conspiracy theories and, you know, Disney hates us and we're not, you know, like there's, it just exactly. makes it too big of a muddled mess. So I'm with you. I, I obviously need children to have safe places and, you know, to yeah. build in safety nets in our society that protect people from vulnerable or vulnerable people from, you know, predators. But exactly, I, I hope the movie does tons of good and, you know, raises a lot of awareness, awareness for the actual issue instead of all of the other fluff that's coming with it. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, now that we've discussed really, like... <laughs> heavy topics. Let's move on. We've got a bunch of um, human interest stories that are much more lightweight. Uh, Let's move on to some lighter topics. Let's let's talk about Kenneth Rooks. You watched this video. So tell me all about it. I watched this video. We're not
1: like track enthusiasts, particularly in my house, but we, we love the Olympics. So, you know, but we <laughs> Kenneth Rooks, we watched this guy who's like just this like big fan and he talked all about how there was someone in the race against Kenneth Rooks who's like the number one, you know, he has the highest or the fastest times and he's, you know, unbeatable. And they okay, were talking about Sarah, I'm gonna yeah.
0: pause you just for a minute yep. here because let's give a little background for our oh, yeah. listeners who don't understand who Kenneth Rooks is. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. gonna let you give the background and then tell us about what what happened. So Kenneth Rooks is a runner,
1: um, a track and field runner for BYU. Um, and he I'm trying to f- pull up the details because I don't wanna speak um wrong. Let me just He does the
0: steeple chase is what he does.
1: That's right. I was wondering, I'm like, I think I remember the art the specific thing he does the steeple chase, which is the run with there's like hurdles and then you run and jump mm-hmm. into water and you have to do it's this like very intense long track and field um race that is hard like i think it's like yeah. a it's like a big deal to get yeah. to get qualified for the race and then it's this big you know event that everyone kind of watches for because it has it kind of combines a bunch of track um skills together in one race. Um, so he starts off his, I think the video said that the world record was set in like like 1970 something. So like a super long time ago, and it has never been like beat or come close to in this specific race. And so Kenneth Rooks, well, the, all of the athletes line up and they start their race and he takes a pretty serious spill and he falls and it's It was kind of like we watched the video of it and there were like people like tumbling all over him. It was like very intense because he was in a middle lane with all of the runners on the other side. So they were all kind of like trying
0: to navigate
1: this runner that was down.
0: Well, and I think he fell in lap two of a seven and a half lap race. So pretty early on. Right. So it was like the
1: beginning of the race and you could hear the announcers being like, well, that's unfortunate. There's no one that's ever come back for anything like that. Like, that's just, that's one of those falls. They were like just down on him. Like, that's just one of those falls that you never, you know, recover from. And, you know, it was like just such a bummer because you could just see, like, see it in him that. I mean, that's a huge bummer to prepare and be, you know, on this competitive thing forever. And then they kept showing the race and they kept showing him just like steady passing. You know what I mean? And he ran like a super clean race from rounds two through, you said seven, right? Seven and a half laps. Okay. Yeah. So for the rest of the laps, he was so clean and he ended up winning the whole race and he came like two seconds from the world record that hadn't been broken forever and everyone all of the announcers were just like shocked because he beat the guy that was supposed to win by a mile and he had this like kind of catastrophic fall at the beginning which is just crazy like it's just a crazy situation So it was really cool to read, and it's really inspiring to see that, you know, you can come back from things, and it's not, you know, always what it seems.
0: Exactly. One of the things that I liked about the article is – So the reporters interviewed him after the race and they were stunned to learn that he had actually planned for the moment that he fell before the race. He says, before the race, I thought about if I fall, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond? I decided to get up and continue, he said. And then he says, Mm -hmm. after he fell, his brain immediately told him he was done. And the video shows him hesitate for the slightest moment before he stood up. Then his advanced planning kicked in and he turned out, And he turned and set out after the pack of runners. And over the course of the next five laps, he's just slowly gaining, gaining, gaining. And I think, what? A good story to illustrate a whole number of principles. First of all, I love the idea of he thought about this beforehand and what am I going to do and how am I going to respond? So it wasn't even a question when this trial pops up. He knows how he's going to respond. He knows he's going to get up.
1: And he's probably um, fallen before in yes, practice. I yes. mean, so like
0: it wasn't like,
1: you know, oh no, this yeah. is like a, I mean, which is kind of cool to use those experiences as like a stepping stone to something better. You know what I mean? And exactly. to help you prepare for the inevitable fall.
0: Exactly. So uh, if you haven't watched the video and the accompanying commentary, we will link that in the show notes and the article, and you should definitely do that. I'm going to make a prediction here and now. I, I'm with you, Sarah. We're not big sports fans in my house, but the <laughs> Olympics rolls around, and my butt is in front of the TV for the whole 14 days. The <laughs> exactly Olympics is how we on. Feel too. We have parties. We're like, you know, very you exactly. Know. <laughs> I have a feeling that we are going to see Brother Rooks in about a year at the uh, at Paris. the Olympics in Paris, and he will be running the steeplechase. chase. So That'd be so cool. We, we can all cheer for him we can all cheer for him so okay well we're getting down a little bit on time so I'm gonna I'm just gonna briefly touch on the next one Uh, there is a basketball player he played for Utah State his name is Justin Bean Deseret News did an article on him he would like to play for the NBA he's done a lot of the um, sub league teams and uh, the summer teams for the NBA but he finally got picked up by a basketball team in Germany so he and his wife are headed over to Germany. She's pregnant. Uh, They, of course, are members of the church. And just the article was talking about how their faith is going to sustain them in going to a foreign country and playing basketball over there. And it was just kind of a nice little uplifting article about Brother Bean. I love that. My husband
1: lived in Germany with his family when he was a kid. And for a couple years and they all, they still to this day talk about the time they had and, you know, being away yeah. from everybody. And it's just such a cool thing to use your faith. And it's cool that he can use his skills of basketball to be able to provide that kind of an experience for his family. That's really cool. It's going to be awesome. So our next story is about the um, comedian, uh Ryan Hamilton, he was hit by a bus and he wanted it to be a tragedy, but really it's a comedy. <laughs> and he just it's this cute article that talks about his, you know, recovery and how he kind of came back to the comedy world. And it's been it was a cute article that just talked about kind of the experiences he had as he was recovering and how to make this into a funny thing, and it just kind of shows his like true um like value of humor in his like throughout this super crazy story of being hit by a bus (laughs) and you know all of the trials that come along with that he just kept finding you know this humor and this laughter and this um throughout this whole story and I just thought it was a really sweet you know kind of thing for all of us we can all do probably better (laughs) in our trials to be
0: you know find the you know light in each one of those so Exactly. So yes, my sister and I covered this when he did get hit by a bus. Oh, okay. He he is a member of the church. And the, what's really interesting about this article is it goes into his background about how he came up in comedy, which I did not know because when oh, yeah. we talked about him getting hit by a bus, Arianne and I both knew who he was because he's got a Netflix special called Happy Face. So if you have not watched his Netflix special called Happy Face, you should go watch it. Uh, very clean comedy. Um, and, and you should go watch it. And so we had actually seen the Netflix special. So we knew who he was when the story came out about him getting hit by a bus. And so this goes into the article goes into his history and then it goes, just like you said, into how he's recovered from getting hit by a bus and turned this tragedy into part of his comedy routine. And he's like, I can't get up on stage without talking about getting hit by a bus. Everybody knows. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so funny.
0: All right. So last story, quick mention. There is a gentleman by the name of Don Aslett. And he is an Idaho boy. You know how I love my Idaho peeps. (laughs) And he has been a cleaning guru. He is 88 years old. If you go to Pocatello, Idaho, there is a museum in in Pocatello, Idaho called the Museum of Clean that has a vacuum collection because he's collected vacuums over the years and all sorts of cleaning instruments and tools. And he made his life mission about cleaning and he wrote books and he would go along and do seminars. And I recall when I was a kid, I must have been maybe 11. 10, 11 years old, somewhere in there. He came to Boise and I remember going to hear him speak with my mother. <laughs> and I can't remember what he asked, but he asked somebody from the audience to come up. And well, guess who came up? Oh, that's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I can't remember what he asked me, but I ended up with a squeegee. I, I got a squeegee for my troubles. <laughs> anyway, so um if you're traveling through Pocatello and you want something fun to do, go visit Don Aslitt's Museum of Clean. And like I said, there was a new 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 article just kind of on him and, and his history in uh, East Idaho News this week. That's why we covered him. So that's so cute. All right. Shall we move on to my favorite segment, which is Mormons behaving badly? I just would like to say that
1: as a fan of the podcast, I live for these updates. So thank you for
0: continuing. (laughs) You're welcome. To tell these stories. Okay. I need to hear it. All right. So Mormons behaving badly. I don't have any new Mormons behaving badly this week, but I do have updates. So as a fan of the podcast, what did you think of my Mormons behaving badly last week with the parents who were suing the school district because their son had sex at school <laughs> in the school parking lot?
1: I had like so many discussions about this story with my friends and family because I just was like, am I off base? This seems so ludicrous to <laughs> me. I'm like, exactly. Maybe I'm the one that's not thinking through it. I just can't. I love that they threw it out. I just
0: felt so happy. <laughs> exactly. No,
1: that's not exactly. A thing we're
0: do. <laughs> well, and I'm still mad that the parents filed it under John and Jane Doe. I'm like, I know,
1: I know. I always think this is so bad. Own it, uh, own it.
0: Kids, uh, ad, own it. Yep. and clearly you're not owning your it. Name. So clearly you know you're being stupid. Yes, I agree. All right. So updates. I have a Lori Vallow update and I have a Bundy update. So we will start with Lori Vallow. As you know, she is the mom that was convicted of murdering her children. And she is actually set for sentencing this Monday. So two days from now, she's going to be sentenced. Um, Mm -hmm. Anybody who wants to watch it, it will be live streamed on East Idaho News. You can watch it. I'm really curious what's going to happen in her set. Well, I, I know what her sentence is going to be, at least what I think it's going to be. I'm pretty sure she's going to get life in prison. Mm. What I think is going to be really interesting is the judge's commentary. So this judge had to sit through this eight-week trial, look at horrific evidence, hear horrific stories. He has not been allowed, well, he I mean, he he couldn't speak under the judicial rules prior right. to sentencing and share his opinion, but at sentencing, he gets to share his opinion. So I'm sure I will have an update as to uh, as to his opinion. But the reason that this story made the news this week is at sentencing, judges are allowed to consider what's called victim impact statements. And victim impact statements can be submitted in writing and they can also be presented verbally. So under the Idaho law, you have to be a direct family member to be able to give a victim impact statement. So we know that... Lori's remaining child, um, Cody, is going to give a victim impact statement. We know that Samantha William, who is Tammy Daville's sister, is going to give an impact statement, or no, she's not going to give an impact statement uh, in court. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other person was that was going to give an impact, a, a verbal statement in court. What happened is Vicki Hoban, who is Tammy's aunt, uh, requested from the judge to be able to give a verbal impact statement. The judge initially denied her request saying, you're an aunt, you're not immediate family. Under Idaho law, you don't constitute immediate family and you can't give an impact statement. Hoban responded and she said, well, I want to speak in place of my sister, Phyllis Douglas, who is Tammy's mother, and she died in June. So I did not realize that Tammy's mother had actually died in June. And so when the judge realized that Tammy's mother, who is an immediate family member, had died he said, yes, you may make a victim impact statement
1: at which time speaking for the month, like it did the mom yes. write an impact statement or something. And she's going to well, be reading her mom's words or like saying what she felt.
0: I think she's probably going to be saying what she felt. You okay. know, she, I am sure that, uh, that Vicki Hoban probably had a conversation with her sister and will probably be explaining, uh, her sister's feelings and how her sister felt about this and how it impacted her right. sister. OK, uh, so Tammy's attorneys objected to this because Tammy's attorney said she doesn't meet the definition of a victim impact statement in Idaho. And Tammy's father has submitted a written statement and Tammy's sister has submitted a written statement. So this is just repetitive and, and we don't need mm. it. So the judge held a hearing on that motion, and the judge denied their motion, and so we will get to hear from Vicki Hoban on Monday with a victim impact statement. So in addition to, like I said, I know that um, Lori's son is testifying, uh, the remaining son that is still alive, and I think there's one other person, but I can't recall right off the top of my head who that is. So
1: That's wild. I'm so glad that they have the opportunity, though, to like... Yeah. Speak from their heart and not be like asked questions. I know that, you know what I mean? The yeah. confines of a trial are just so specific. Exactly. For a reason. I mean, that's fine, but I'm glad they have
0: an opportunity to be able to really speak about, you know, the actual impact of their life. Exactly. And, cool. and I think it'll be interesting to get some insight from the family to see, you know, what their thoughts are, how this has impacted them, what they would yeah. like to see the judge do. So. Yeah. Okay. Am and Bundy my lifetime achievement award winner for Mormons behaving badly. He's been in a little civil lawsuit with St. Luke's because St. Luke's sued him for defamation because he made all sorts of false statements against St. Luke's. He refused to participate in this lawsuit, but under Idaho law, they had to go ahead and proceed. He got a, the attorney for St. Luke's was able to get a default judgment against him, but they had to have a jury trial to determine the amount of damages. So that jury came back with a $26.5 million verdict for compensatory damages and $26 million in punitive damages. Oh my gosh. Now, this was spread out (laughs) among several entities because not only did they sue Bundy, they sued, uh, the gentleman that was with Bundy, Diego Rodriguez. This was all over, um, Child Protection Services taking Diego Rodriguez's grandchild uh, into um, protective services because they felt that he was malnourished. So and Bundy is personally responsible for $6.2 million in compensatory and $6.15 million in punitive. His people right, people's rights network is responsible for 5.2 million in compensatory and 5.2 million in punitive. And the Ammon, the probably defunct Ammon Bundy for governor is responsible for 1.5 million in compensatory and 1.6 million in punitive. Um, crazy. It is going to be really interesting and I will continue to follow this to see if they are going to be able to collect from him. Yeah, Knowing that he was probably going to get judgments against him, he has been transferring and hiding assets, so oh we will see what the St. Luke's attorneys do oh. to uh, undo what he has done. That's crazy. This is not over yet, folks. <laughs> continue.
1: It, we'll put a little bit in that for later.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we are coming to the end. So let's talk about favorite things. As you know, Arianne and I always like to share our favorite thing. This is not anything that we get paid for, just things that we like, whether it's an item, a podcast, a TV show. So, Sarah, I'm gonna let you go first. Tell me what your favorite thing is this week. Um,
1: my favorite thing this week is a book. It's called oh. Lessons in Chemistry. And it, I mean, it's for sale at Costco, it's everywhere, it's like a really big Did you guys already cover Lessons
0: in Chemistry? I've never even heard of Lessons in Chemistry. I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: repeating. It is a darling book. I mean, it's not like groundbreaking or life changing or anything, but like it's just, it was a super fun summer read. My neighborhood did a neighborhood book club and we read. Lessons in Chemistry. And it's about a woman in the 50s, 60s, who is a chemist. And it's all about her like plight for um, respect in the workplace as a woman and as a professional woman. And then, you know, it just is this really cool, cute story. Um, It's really well written. But my favorite piece of it is the woman who wrote Lessons in Chemistry. It's her debut novel. And she's like 60 years old and so you just know that she's like been holding this story do you know what I mean or this idea forever and I just like feel like it's and it's ragingly successful it's all over the place and it's it was written so well and you just I just like love the characters all of them have just such unique voices and um I just really loved it so everyone should read it no. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, that is, that is, that is awesome. Yeah. So mine this week is going to be the Barbie movie. I loved the Barbie movie. I loved the Barbie movie. Up. Uh, I talked a little bit last week on the podcast. One of the things that my sisters and I did while we were in California was we went to the Barbie movie and we were down in Santa Monica because they was a Barbie world experience that we went to too. It was so fun because it was just a sea of pink in Santa Monica. Everybody was dressing up and everybody, not everybody in the movie, but a lot of people at the movie were dressed in pink and girlfriends were out together. And I just thought the movie was so cute. And I thought it was really well done. And I loved everything about it. I'm going to take my teenage daughter to see it this week. And so I highly recommend it. Again, there's been controversy about the Barbie movie as well. And the messaging of the Barbie movie. I, I don't think we can get do anything without controversy, but <laughs> I, I don't buy I feel. into the controversy and I thought the movie was great. So there I you go. I felt the same way. I also saw it this week and thought, "Oh, this is a cute movie. Exactly,
1: exactly. I took my kids. They loved it. So I feel yeah. like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it's a movie. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, That's why I said, let's just let it be a movie. Let's exactly. Just let it be, you know, an hour and a half of time or two hours or whatever. <laughs> that's all it needs
0: to be. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this edition of This Week in Mormons. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. I had a blast with you. I, I do hope too. that you will come back again, that I haven't frightened you off. Will you come back again sometime? I will. I'm happy to. This has been such a fun thing. Oh, good. Thank so, Twim Nation, thank you very much for your support. As always, you can find us on all the different social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. And I know last week when I was talking about Twitter, I was like, well, I think we still tweet. I did get confirmation This week of that Kurt is actually in charge of the Twitter account. So Kurt does all the tweeting when you see the tweeting. So (laughs) yes, we are still active on Twitter and for anybody who wants to be a true supporter, you can join Patreon and you can go on Patreon, donate any amount that you want. Uh, There is extra content that is available to our Patreon subscribers. In fact, uh, when we are finished here, Sarah and I are going to record a little extra content for the Patreon subscribers. So we'd encourage all of you to subscribe to Patreon, help us keep the lights on, and thank you very much. Bye.